0: to season two episode eight of the Simply Medics podcast. Hope you enjoyed the last episode on sickle cell anemia. For the medics out there, the opportunity to um, learn about the different crises and for people who are just interested to kind of find out the difference about genotypes and all the various things about sickle cell. This week we are going to mark colorectal or bowel cancer awareness month um april is bowel cancer awareness month and we're in the last week of april and it thought we thought it would be good to kind of provide some information for everyone out there and give more of a clinical perspective as well for those of you revising hard so um over to Emanuela with some interesting statistics about bowel cancer
1: so just some interesting facts and figures for you all according to the bowel cancer uk website Every 15 minutes, somebody is diagnosed with bowel cancer in the UK. Um, bowel cancer can affect people of any age or background, um, although it's more common within sort of the Western, um, Western Hemisphere. So we're talking Europe, North America, Australasia, um, people from any background, whether you're Afro-Caribbean, whether you're Asian or white Caucasian can still be affected. It is, a treatable, it is a treatable and curable cancer, especially if it's diagnosed early on, and nearly everyone survives if diagnosed at the early stages. However, this drops significantly as the disease develops. So as you get towards sort of, we'll talk more about stages, Duke, um, C and D, that's when it's more difficult to um, actually have curative management or curative treatment. More than 16,000 people die from bowel cancer in the UK every year. That's approximately 44 people every day. It's thought that bowel cancer has the, that highest, the second highest mortality of any cancer in the world and it approximately accounts for 10% of all diagnosed cancer and cancer-related deaths. Now the occurrence of bowel cancer is strongly associated with age so above the age of 40 um, that's when most people are likely to be diagnosed so we're talking about 99% of people who get diagnosed with bowel cancer above the age of 40 um, and about 75% of people are diagnosed within their 50s onwards. The unfortunate thing is there are some genetic syndromes that predispose you to colorectal cancer such as APC and HNPCC we'll talk a bit more about those in depth later on within the podcast but that's just a couple of facts for you to be aware of
0: I can't believe um every 15 minutes Hmm. every 15 minutes so that's for an hour and if you multiply multiply that by 24 in one day I can't do the maths but Wow.
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's a lot of people. It's a very common cancer. Um and the good thing is that the screening programs out there for it, but still mm-hmm. it's still quite you know, there's a very high incidence and prevalence rates within this country alone. Um and with COVID I think it's gonna be higher based on the fact that people haven't, you know, people haven't been able to access um clinics Mm. due to them not wanting to go in because of you know being quite scared or hypervigilant with covid um and Mm. also there being a long wait list for patients to have let's say colonoscopies or stuff like that to help them Mm. diagnose or or help them stage what kind of cancer they've got yeah there's still so much to come after it's gone (laughs) yeah Yeah. there is i think there was something that said that there's a approximately a three-year wait um to clear all the things that have been delayed with COVID. So we're talking about, you know, elective surgeries. Um, Certain clinics have extremely long waiting lists just because things haven't been running and things have been shut down, especially, you know, more invasive procedures. I know a lot of clinics were doing teleconsults, so whether it's over the phone or video call, so they were still managing to carry on with their clinics, but certain things like endoscopy haven't been running they've only been running Mm. for like important or um yeah for like important or urgent procedures but stuff that are elective or deemed as not Mm. as emergent haven't been really been um haven't really been happening so yeah it's Mm. pretty sad
0: so um you mentioned how bowel cancer is um typically it affects people in the western world and i think Mm -hmm. you've got some notable people um, to be aware of, just, just to show how common it is?
1: Yes, I do. So there is actually a very long list of people who've had colorectal cancer. I'm not going to go through all of them because some of them um may may not be well known to people of our generation or the generation before us. But I'll just mention a couple. So the most recent death that we know of is the unfortunate passing away of Chadwick Boseman, um, who passed away at the age of forty-three, um, which was about three to four years after he was diagnosed with colorectal cancer. Um, and I think he's one
0: with the hereditary because I I heard that his brother as well also mm. suffered from it, but fortunately he, he beat it, whereas Chadwick passed away. Oh
1: gosh, in forty-three is quite quite young. Mm. It is quite young, mm. and especially how he he was diagnosed for like four, three, four years prior. So he actually was diagnosed quite young, you know, mm. below that. Like I said, the majority of people that get diagnosed are diagnosed above the age of forty. Um, however, people mm. in their twenties, there's also a sort of a, a peak in incidence in people in their twenties, especially those who have the hereditary um hereditary genes. So you can get unfortunately colorectal cancer in your twenties. Mm. Another notable person is our queen elizabeth's mother so she developed colorectal cancer in her 60s um and she died in she died at the age of 101 so she actually had um a good life another famous person who died of uh, who had colorectal cancer was audrey hepburn so we all know audrey hepburn she's a famous american actress um and she also, so she also had colorectal cancer. And just to finish off on my list of famous people that you may know, um, the 40th US President Ronald Reagan, Reagan, is that how you pronounce it? <laughs> also had um, colorectal cancer. So this is just a short list of people who've, who've had colorectal cancer that either they died from it or they had it and it was treated. So yeah. All of these people
0: were well off, in a sense. So it's Mm. not a discriminator really against. Uh -uh. um, What do I want to say? Lifestyle or wealth? That's it. It's not really a discriminator Mm. of Mm. wealth. So, and they probably had access to, well, maybe not Audrey Hepburn because she. That maybe back then we don't know how things were, but to really good healthcare. Well, she died in nineteen ninety three. Okay, that's not old, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, she died in nineteen ninety three. Yeah. So, so oh, okay. pretty recent. Yeah. So, yeah, we can see how um, so many people of different backgrounds and wealth are affected. And um, I just wonder if people listening to this now kind of know what the how colorect- colorectal cancer or bowel cancer presents. Like when you think of it, what do you think? is actually wrong with the person, like their signs and symptoms and mm. make a mental list. And we're going to take you through it now. So um, there are some symptoms when, if someone of a certain age comes, comes in and I see them in like placement and stuff, that's when um, bowel cancer starts ringing in my head. So um, anyone who has anemia, Iron deficiency anemia, so feeling more tired than usual, um, a lot of fatigue, looking pale. Um, anyone of a certain age, you're worried that they're losing blood somewhere, mm-hmm. p- predominantly the bowel. So that's one of the symptoms um, of a certain age. Rectal bleeding, so people who, when you go to the toilet to pass, um, to open your bowels, pass a motion, and you wipe on the tissue and you notice that there's blood in your stool. Um, so um, that's something you're concerned about because they're they're bleeding from the bowel, um, and that shows that there's something wrong in there. Um, what we call a change in bowel habits. So people go to the toilet. Some people go more frequently than others. Some people struggle to go and they're constipated. And each person has their own kind of rhythm. I say, or what's then their normal. Um, So if you, you know, go regularly, maybe once a day and then all of a sudden you're finding that you're going once a week, you're more constipated or all of a sudden you're opening your bowels maybe like five or six times a day and it's more watery. That's what we call a change in bowel habit. And because it's deviant from your normal, that's a concern. Um, People who have unexpected weight loss, you always think of cancer. Um, There are other conditions as well, like TB and um, hyperthyroidism, but cancer is one of the, you know, red flags, one of the things that sets alarm bells off that you want to just rule out as soon as possible. So again, that's one of the ways it can present. Um, Pain in your abdomen, depending on where the tumor is, um, that's one of the way it can present. And unfortunately, some people present in the very late stages of bowel cancer so that's where you have jaundice which is like a yellowing of the skin in caucasian skin um and in black skin you're more likely to see it in the whites of the eyes um, they can also have something called well we call it hepatomegaly and that's just medicine for an enlarged liver because if the cancer spreads from the colon to the liver the liver begins to enlarge and that's quite a late stage indicator Um, Have you got any more ways it presents, manuela?
1: No, I think you actually described all of it. Um, Obviously, with rectal cancer, she can also have a rectal mass um, Mm. that may be palpable on examination. So if someone feels it, they might feel that there's something within the actual rectum itself. Um, But yeah, those are everything. Mm. But I'd say for people
0: listening, there's no need to be worried because, well, here in the UK, we've got the bowel screening program because mm-hmm. it's our job to know these symptoms and your job to just report if anything changes but um mm-hmm. what's what's involved
1: in the bowel screening program yeah, so the bowel screening program in england and wales um starts at the age of 60 to 75 so unlike you know we talked about cervical screening in the past and that's for more younger women in the 20s Two or twenty-five. This is geared more towards people who are middle aged, so 60 to 75, just because that's the age that you're more likely to have colorectal cancer. And this screening happens every two years. It's for both men and women. Um, it used to be you do something called fecal or called blood test, um, but now that's been um changed and you do something called the fit test. So it's just a stool test that you get um like a leaf, you get a pack in the post when it's time for, you, for your screening to happen, um, you get, like, a little container and, you know, the stuff to stick on so you can post it. And you do a stool sample, you put it in, it gets sent to a lab, and then they look for any traces of a um, small amount of, of blood. It's, you know, I ain't... Um, a lab technician so i can't really fully explain it but it's called the fit test and this is what they do to see whether or not if someone has high high levels is potentially likely to have colorectal cancer so um previously the fecal occult blood test looked at blood within the stools, but the fit test looks at antibodies against human human hemoglobin so against human red blood cells to detect if there's any blood in the feces so it's Better or more sensitive, specific to picking up if someone has colorectal cancer compared to the previous tests they need to do for screening. However, if you are at high risk of colorectal cancer, so let's say that you have a family history of colorectal cancer in a first degree relative, so we're talking mother, father, brother, sister, um, then you get screened at a younger age, so at the age of fifty. And um, that's quite reassuring
0: to hear how simple the testing is compared to um stuff like the cervical screening, which I mm. understand why some people don't want to attend. But this one, literally in the comfort of your own home, you just mm. produce a stool sample, send it off. Um, that's it. So when it comes in the post, people make sure you just send it off. Mm
1: hmm it's not invasive at all so Mm. there's nothing to be worried about in terms of oh my gosh like I don't want it I don't want to do it Um, the Mm. only invasive thing that happens is you know further investigations if it is positive to make sure that you don't you know to see whether or not you do have um, colorectal
0: cancer. So just before we reach investigations um, certain people you'd want to refer for investigations mm. straight away wouldn't mm-hmm. you yeah. so people who are positive for that fit test mm-hmm. they're definitely somebody you'd send mm-hmm. under what we call two week wait mm-hmm. and that just means this person is referred to secondary care hospital services to be investigated for cancer within 2 weeks just because you know there's an urgent there's an urgency in identifying and treating as soon as possible um and there are some other people as well so um nice have arranged it nicely and you do it according to age. So anyone in their forties or over, if they have unexplained weight loss and abdominal pain, you'd be thinking bowel cancer, so you'd want to refer them under a two week quote. Anyone who is fifty years old and older with unexplained rectal bleeding, you'd want to refer them in. And anyone with um sorry, anyone age sixty and over with iron deficiency, anemia, or a change in their bowel habit, you'll want to send them um, as soon as possible. Um, and just to add on, um, I think NICE said something about how, you know, they gave a number of the num- um, of the number of cases of colorectal cancer diagnosed each year, and that one quarter of people um, who were diagnosed actually attended screening or participated in the screening. Wow. So that's quite a, that's quite a lot of people picked up.
1: Yeah, Not mm. means that the screening is very effective then, because that's imagine if the screening didn't happen, there'd be a quarter of patients who wouldn't have been picked up, mm. or it would have been too late for. You know what I mean? Yeah, mm. and the thing is, like colorectal cancer, like most cancers, sometimes by the time you've realised it's a bit late. Mm. You know? Because some some people, mm. especially if you've got, let's say, IBS or a background history of all sorts of colitis or some type of inflammatory bowel um, condition, you may think, oh, it's just my bowel's acting up again. Mm. When in fact, it might not be. It might be that something sinister is happening. Um, and, you know, people have that habit of leaving things late and being like, oh, it'll be okay. It'll fix itself. But then, you are having diarrhea for like three, four months and you're having bleeding and all sorts and you're just trying to um rationalize your symptoms away by the time it gets mm. picked up it's late so having screening programs there that are easy to do um are accessible accessible for all it's super important it's super important that if you have if you are within that age group or you have relatives within that age group that they actually um, participate in screening definitely so all those people
0: with their age and the associated symptoms they get sent into the hospital for investigations. Um so what are the investigations?
1: Yes so with any um admission to hospital or even if it's just routine you know seen routine in the clinic you'll normally get a set of bloods and some imaging. So in colorectal cancer you'd want to obviously to take a full blood count just because at Moyez said a person may have iron deficiency anemia, which you would see as microcytic anemia. So for the medics out there, you will see a low hemoglobin count, and you also might see um, a low MCV, because you know we know that low MCV means microcytic anemia, and the most common cause of microcytic anemia is iron deficiency anemia. You also want to do LFTs, so liver function test. Like Moya said, progressed, progressed, and um, progressive colorectal cancer can metastasize to your liver, and they may have deranged LFTs that may give you a clue that uh, actually this patient has potential hepatic Mets. You also want to do a clotting, um, because with any cancer, it does in it does increase your chance of being thrombophilic. So it makes you more likely to get, um, to have sort of more viscous blood, you know, at risk of getting clots. Um, most people would have known about this sort of tumour marker. So CE, CEA, um, carcinogenic embryonic, embryonic antigen. It's not used to diagnose colorectal cancer, but it's used to monitor di- disease progression. And it's done before and after treatment, and, um, to look for any recurrence in addition to your blood test you also want to do imaging now the gold standard um, for diagnosing colorectal cancer is a colonoscopy with a biopsy for those that don't know what a colonoscopy is it's um, a long sort of tubular camera that goes through a person's rectum and it goes through the entire large bowel so it starts off within sort of through the anus into the rectum then it goes all the way up the descending colon past the splenic flexure through the transverse colon down into the ascending into the cecum and it's looking for any sort of polyps or any areas of um where, where there seems to be any tumors whilst they're doing that if there is a tumor or if there's a polyp they'll just take more biopsies of that area and send it off for histopathology to help um, see whether it was an adenoma, which is a benign, or if it's an adenocarcinoma, which is a more malignant tumour. Now, in addition to colonoscopy, so that helps us detect what's going on internally within the actual bowel itself you also have a ct staging so a ct scan is done in the chest abdomen and pelvis and it helps um it helps the doctors who are sort of managing this patient to see whether or not there is any distant metastases or local invasion in lymph nodes so we're going to go we're going to move on to staging but so sort of a ct scan helps helps them to decide what sort of treatment will be at best whether or not it's local disease so that means there's no METs to liver, there's no METs to um, other parts of the peritoneum, so, so retroperitoneal METs, because sometimes you can get sort of cancer building up within the retroperitoneal space or within other parts of the, um, the abdomen in itself. Um, it helps to look at whether there's any METs to the lymph nodes and if you're going to go into surgery, if, well, you know, what they're going to resect when they get there. In patients that have um, rectal cancers, they need an MRI of the rectum, and this helps to assess the depth and in invasion, and potential need for perioperative chemotherapy. So these are just some of the images you might get a PET scan, but only a few centres do that. It's a very specialised scan, and it's not predominantly done.
0: Oh my gosh, you taught us um, in bowel <laughs> cancer and, and breast cancer when I was in second year. <laughs> so oh you're my gosh, an expert, I basically. Did. <laughs> I am not an expert <laughs> <I> just realised <laughs> uh-huh. the staging has always it's like if someone was like to give me the information of what mm-hmm. was found on a CT um, mm-hmm. for the different you know to stage I'd probably be able to work it out but to be able to remember it for exam purposes anyway that's what I've always struggled with whether it's Dukes mm-hmm. whether it's TMN staging um, <laughs> is that—is that just exam situations and in real life
1: we just wouldn't have to do that in real life, you don't actually... So, if someone goes for a stage in CT, usually the radiologist will just document in the report mm. what stage the cancer is. And then when they go for MDT, they'll talk more about the stage and stuff like that. So, mm. it's important that you know about it. But it's not management. like... Yeah, but that's... Even for management, that's going to be, you know, the MDT that's going to deal with it. The colorectal MDT will deal with the, man- the, the management. The surgeons, the oncologist... The radiologists that are all at the meeting would discuss what that patient, will be appropriate for that patient based on their comorbidities, their age and the stage of their cancer. So as mm. junior doctors, it's not something that you're going to get super, super involved in, but it's something to be aware of, especially if you're going to be discussing with patients, like say breaking bad news um, and you've been asked to break bad news to a patient who's got cancer. You can at least tell them, you know, if they ask your doctor, what stage is it? You can at least be able to explain that it's teeth, t2 n0 m1 so it means it's localized it's not spread anywhere else mm. but knowing that that's reassuring yeah but knowing the crooks and crannies is crannies is not that super important at this stage i mean it's important for exams it's like don't get me wrong you need to know for your exams mm. but it's not something that i'll say you know it's super super important unless you have an oncology job mm. okay you know somewhere you're gonna be using it all the time Yeah.
0: So is it Dukes or TNM or both which are used? or It just depends.
1: Mm -hmm. So TNM is used. That's the standard Mm -hmm. for most cancers. Um, Dukes is, TNM has superseded Dukes, but some hospitals may still use Dukes criteria in addition to TNM. So they'll have the TNM stage and say Duke A or Duke B or Duke C or Duke D or Duke D. But most use TNM. Mm. Well, all use TNM. They should do anyways.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think because it's, it's used in all the other
1: cancers, it just makes it yeah. more uniformed, I guess, yeah. across all of them. For people that don't know what the TNM staging is, T just stands for the primary tumor. So whether or not it's, if it can be, you know, the size of it and how much it's invaded nearby, sort of nearby tissues, so whether it's invaded um, the different layers of um, the tissues, whether in the bowel, we're talking about the muscularis propria and you know, those different, different layers. Um, the end stage goes, talks about um, lymph nodes. So whether or not r- there's mets to regional lymph nodes. So how many lymph mm-hmm. nodes have, you know, that there's, it's metastasized to and how big those lymph nodes are. And then the last, which is M, there's literally just M0 and M1. M0 mm-hmm. just means there's not spread to any other parts of the body. M1 means, unfortunately, the cancer is spread so this could be to the liver, lungs, or to bone, or to um li- yeah, liver, lungs, bone, brain, or to other other organs in the body. And it's all dependent mm-hmm. because different cancers spread differently. Some tend to spread to the brain more than others, some spread to the lungs, some spread to the liver, some spread everywhere. <laughs>
0: So yeah, I guess that's good to know because um, it'll help you plan, well, the surgeons anyway, um, plan yeah. their approach to managing. So I do know that mm-hmm. um, definitive management of colorectal cancer is mm-hmm. um, surgical management, but mm-hmm. you can use radiotherapy and, and chemotherapy mm-hmm. to improve survival. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I want to say imagine the bowel, but basically wherever the tumour is, starting from the cecum, Um, ascending transverse descending sigmoid colon um down to the to the rectum um wherever the tumor is depends on the surgical management Mm -hmm. so you can either have um, a right hemicolectomy so that's where from um the tumor is either from the cecum in the ascending or the proximal portion of the transverse colon and then that that bit is cut out and um Oh boy, I just jumped in. Do I even know this? It's replaced and <laughs> they have a stoma back basically, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. so they can do a stoma or they can do a primate anastomosis. Okay.
0: And then again, it's the same with a left hemicolectomy. So this time the distal transverse and down to the descending. Um, and again, anastomose or stoma, sigmoid colectomy. So it's just the sigmoid colon you're removing. And then you've got an anterior resection. So the low portion of the sigmoid or the high portion of the rectum, um, that, that's removed and you anastomose the remaining bit of the rectum mm-hmm. to the rest of the bowel. And then you have an abdomino perineal resection. Mm-hmm. So these are tumors which are really low down in the rectum and patients who have this have their rectum removed. So they need a permanent colostomy um, because rectum is gone, anus is gone. so you know, um, the bowel motions need to go somewhere. So that's why they have a permanent colostomy. Um, And also, Mm -hmm. so for for those who know the anatomy a lot better than I do, the mesorectum as well is also excised because um, that's one of the sites it can, bowel cancer can spread to locally. So if you remove that, then you're reducing the chance of spread and just improving the outcomes.
1: Mm -hmm. And in, in addition to removing sort of the part of the bowels, they also tend to remove any local um, lymph nodes in, in that area. Mm. Just, just in case there's any, you know, little bit of malignant cells there that may want to spread elsewhere. Um, but yeah, and in emergency situations... So if, let's say someone's come in with um, bowel obstruction or perforation secondary to their cancer, they can have a Hartman's procedure. So that's just it's um it's a complete resection of the rectal sigmoid colon with a formation of an end colostomy and the closure of a rectal stump. So it's like they just basically cut off the rectal sigmoid part of the bowel, um stitch it up well, don't stitch up, but they form an end colostomy and then a stitch of the rectum. Some people can have it after a couple of, let's say, half a year to a year, depending on how well they've they've recovered. They can have a reversal and have um, it anastomosis but it's very mm-hmm. dependent on the person, whether or not they're fit enough for further operations. That was it for the operative management. So like Moya mm-hmm. said, you, you can have... Chemotherapy, so you can have um chemotherapy that can happen whilst you're planning to have an operation. Um, and there's you know quite a couple of regimes that you can have. You can have um the folfox, which is fluoronic acid, fluorouracil, and oxoplatin. Um, and you can also have sort of bio- new biological uh, agents and immunotherapies. Um, and like Moya says you can also have radiotherapy that can be given p- before you have your um, operation N- not all people are suitable for operations not all people are suitable for radio and, um, and active chemotherapy so unfortunately people who have quite advanced cancer so let's say cancer that's metastasized to other parts of the body may be only before palliative approach so that means sort of treating them for their symptoms, and also potentially giving them palli- um, palliative chemotherapy just to make life easy. Some people can also get some um, palliative stenting, so they'll get a stent put in the, a certain part of their bowel endoscopically, endoscopically, um, just to help relieve whether there may be some obstruction or blockage, just to make life a bit more comfortable for them as they're ending the, um, ending the as they're heading towards the end of their life. So unfortunately depending on someone's stage active treatment may not be the best option for them and um, for those who
0: um, aren't palliative and you know successfully treated um the follow-up as well was quite important mm-hmm. so um, nice says that people who've been surgically managed with um, colorectal cancer they need a minimum of two CT scans of their chest, abdomen, and pelvis um, in the first three years. And then regular serum CEA, um, like Emanuela said, it's just to monitor prognosis. And they have that every six months for the first three years, and then it just becomes more regular after that. So um, it's kind of a, well, obviously it's cancer, so a lifelong Mm -hmm. condition of even if you treat it, they're still monitoring but, with all things, I don't know, I just always think it's funny how when we do like medicine or conditions, we kind of end with prevention, and I don't know mm. if this is my my GP hat on, but like prevention is where it begins in my eyes, because mm. there are so many um, risk factors that people can modify um to reduce their chance of developing it um, so some of the things which contribute to people developing colon cancer that you know, if you just reduce or stop, um include things like frequent consumption of meat and I think it's red meat in particular, right?
1: Yeah, it's red meat.
0: So do you wanna be honest? How much how much meat do you eat a week? I actually don't eat that much red meat. Not red meat, no. I'm more of an egg
1: person. <laughs> don't do this to me. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely I can go through a kind of eggs like this. Like I'm an I'm an egg person. I feel (laughs) like
0: being a student, it's actually easy not to buy meat. However, I did shopping Mm -hmm. for someone once and (laughs) a lot of meat and good quality (laughs) meat from Sainsbury's. I was like, I want to be like you. I'm talking steaks, Mm. sausages, different types of fish. Okay. Um, yeah, sorry, I'm going off track, but yeah, they live in the good uni
1: life. The, the good, good uni life. I yeah. I have chicken. That's about it. I mean, occasionally I will eat pork and beef. Um, what else? But pork is again, pork isn't red meat. So the most red meat that I me mm. eat is beef and and lamb. But how often do mm. I have buy beef and lamb because they're quite expensive. Mm. That's so, true.
0: But things like um. Oh wait i thought they said um rec- not recently but a few years ago i remember it was quite big in the news about certain types of meat like um mm-hmm. curated meat mm, there yeah, was a yeah. risk bit with that and colorectal cancer it's, and i don't know why i always imagine processed meat so yeah people that kind of have a fry up every day do you think they're at risk of colorectal yeah they're cancer? at risk yeah because you're having it bacon in it is-
1: yeah and sausages Mm, that's true. Also, it's not good so, for yeah, your heart so, having fry up all the time, man. Yeah, sometimes skip the calf.
0: Vegetarian <laughs> sausages, they're the way forward. Honestly, I buy them over normal, um, not normal, over meat sausages mm. now. <laughs> I really like vegetarian sausages. Yeah, well, but my weakness is um, the Turkish lamb. Oh God, <sighs> so good. Stop <laughs> it. <laughs> With the bread, uh, oh, the bread, I don't know what they put in it, but it just keeps you wanting more and more, <laughs> but back to bowel cancer, okay. side <laughs> what what track, but frequent consumption of meat, so I know um recommended in our diet is less red meat, um more lean meats like chicken and turkey, um a lot of fish, well, yeah about two two portions of oily fish a week as well. Um, And then again, if you can opt for no meat, that's even better. Um, A low fat diet, Mm -hmm. active lifestyle, Mm -hmm. um, a high fiber diet. So we're talking about, you know, your bran flakes, Weetabix, wholemeal bread um, and increasing your consumption of fruit and vegetable because that also has fiber in it. And the fiber just allows for, Easier passage of whatever you're eating through your bowels. Um, If you eat all this processed meat and then you, your diet's lacking in fiber, your bowels are working really hard to um, propel, essentially, stall along along the bowels. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's what leads to probably the development of polyps, which basically puts you at an increased risk of developing bowel cancer. And as always, smoking. <laughs> always. Mm-hmm. You think your doctor's asking you, do you smoke for bands?" No,
1: don't smoke. <laughs> do you know what? Yeah, I think I've said this before, but I'll never forget that one time in, in the MDT, in, I think it was in fourth year, and a respiratory consultant was like, smoking is the cause of everything except pregnancy. I was like, it? <laughs> I was like, but is he lying though? He was not lying. He's
0: He's stretching it.
1: He's stretching it. it
0: acting in three conditions right now
1: I mean, coronavirus the genetic stuff yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah the genetic stuff and some of the metabolic stuff but when we're talking about you know common conditions like heart disease um the type 2 diabetes diseases. yeah um COPD all of these things mm. strokes Smoking causes Vascular unfortunate conditions. Smoking. Yeah. Like smoking is a a main risk factor for a lot of them.
0: So if you're thinking about stopping, booking with there's actually so many services available though. Your pharmacist, your GP, your nurse practitioner, yeah. and there's actually smoking cessation services as well. Um just because yeah, sometimes willpower or just doing it by yourself isn't enough and it's difficult. the support of a professional yeah. can really help.
1: I agree. You just need to take the that step to want to quit and then find the relevant resources or people that can help you. So that I think that's
0: our episode on bowel cancer. Yes. Um, I hope people found it interesting if you're a non-medic and took one or two things away. And for medics, I hope it was a n- nice whistle-stop revision.
1: Yep, I agree. It's definitely a good revision for me do you know what I always found colorectal cancer a very um, interesting topic it's you know me I'm a surgical babe I love my surgery um but yeah I'm just happy that there is an active screening program for something like this because especially due to how common it is within this country and also I'm just great grateful that actually there is resources out there and there's charities out there that are actively trying to get the message heard and let people be aware of um this condition so for all of you out there if you want to find out more definitely visit the um bowel i think it's called bowel cancer uk website they have so much information about colorectal cancer for um, for patients for relatives and also they've got stuff there about helping raise money for the charity so definitely definitely visit their website thank you for listening to this week's episode now on to this week's podcast a patient presents to his GP Kwame is a 25 year old gentleman who has had a three-week history of diarrhea sometimes there's blood in his stools there is an associated low-grade fever weight loss and fatigue he hasn't had any recent takeaways or changed his diet as of late this is the first time he's experienced these symptoms He denies any nausea or vomiting. There is also abdominal pain due to the persistent diarrhea. Review of symptoms. He has noticed that he has been having more aches and pains in some of his large joints. He has a family history of bowel cancer. His brother was diagnosed at the age of 30 with bowel cancer. And his grandfather was diagnosed and died of bowel cancer at the age of 40. His mother has Crohn's. Social history. He's a non-smoker and non-drinker, and he works as a primary school teacher. His ideas, concerns and expectations. He is worried that he may have bowel cancer. On examination, his obs is stable. There is no hemodynamic instability. His abdomen is soft with generalized tenderness. A PR examination is done with a chaperone. The examination is painful, but the stools in the rectum. There's some blood and stools in the glove. There is no molina. These are the following questions. Question number one, what are your main differential diagnosis? Question number two, what is the disease grading criteria for ulcerative colitis and can you name the components? And Question number three, name three extra intestinal manifestations of ulcerative colitis. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this recent episode. Remember to subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcast, leave a like and comment Follow us on our socials at Simply Medics on Instagram and Twitter, or drop us an email simplymedics at gmail.com. Enjoy the rest of your week, and thanks again for listening.